It's crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On Steelers, Locked On Niners, coming at you with previewing the, the season opener for both teams. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Carter of Locked On Steelers. We've got Eric Crocker and Brian Peacock, both of Locked On Niners. We're here talking Steelers, Niners, giving you a full preview from both of our all, all of our perspectives here covering covering these teams. Crossover Thursday is brought to you by, by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to PrizePicks.com slash Locked On NFL and use code all lowercase Locked On NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Now, I want to preface by everything we're about to say is that this, we're taking you behind the scenes. This is a take two. We did a whole show early on, and then the Niners, literally like 30 minutes after we finished, we're like, oh, yeah, we're just going to drop the biggest defensive contract. And there you go. Brian Peacock <laughs> wafting himself with the new Nick wow. Bosa money. I that contract drops. So the rest of this show We'll, we'll, we'll preface the first, we were redoing the first segment. The rest of the show was recorded before the contract. We didn't talk about as much Nick Bosa, so please understand that if we bring it up, then that's why there might be some confusion. But I got to get you guys' thoughts on the deal, it being the most expensive deal for a, a defensive player in NFL history, and what it means for him to be playing. I, I think most of it, we kind of assumed that he eventually would sign, and maybe even like whether it was right today tomorrow or so but I, I didn't think that they would drag this out too long i think a lot of what we talked about still kind of remains the same not as much with him just potentially not playing in this game he will play but how much and then my biggest concern with him playing was how do you prepare for an actual game to be in game shape because first of all nick bosa he is the professional of all professionals he, his body's in tip-top shape Works out, you know, you could, he probably 7% body fat at 265 pounds, whatever he is. <laughs> but there is no substitute for really working against other guys that push, that pull, uh, you know, going 100% or close to 100% as opposed to just training and not even coming close to 100%. So the soft tissue injuries, that's still a worry to me as you head into Pittsburgh. So now the, the question is, the snap count, like how many snaps does he get, you know, to where you keep it to where it's like, okay, we're trying to ramp him up a little bit, but we also want him to be effective in this game. Kyle Shanahan spoke about the deal and was asked if Nick Bosa would be playing. And he said uh, they don't know for sure how much they're going to have to see him and, and get him in. But he said he knows how Bosa's wired and he fully expects uh, an in-shape Nick Bosa to walk in the door in Santa Clara at some point on Thursday and he said, unless he's got like a beer belly or something like that, he, uh, you know, he's going to be out there and he's going to be playing, but they're not sure how much. And uh, this is uh, he's definitely not going to have a beer belly. And I actually heard on local radio just now uh, on my way back home to record this again is uh, Cheryl Bosa. Nick Bosa's mom was on on the radio and she was talking about what it was like and what he was doing without his brother, because his workout partner is Joey Bosa down there in Florida. And uh, when Joey Bosa went to camp. And Nick didn't. He stayed back in Florida with his parents. And so John Bosa, his dad, 
former NFL player, became his workout partner. So hmm. what he would do is he would get up in the morning. They would do their running work. John and, and Nick Bosa would. He would come back. Mom would make breakfast, which consisted of not two, not four, but six egg omelets plus egg whites on top of that. And basically, he would go back and do the weights and do more workouts with John Bosa, come back, get more food from mom, basically protein and veggies. Like, that's the diet. So if you want uh, if you want the Nick Bosa physique, work out multiple times per day and eat nothing but loads of protein and veggies. So that's the insight from, from Cheryl Bosa. Appreciate that. So uh, I, I don't think a beer, a beer belly is incoming for, for Nick Bosa how much practice he gets. There's going to be like at least one walkthrough. And then Thursday, I, it would be hard to even imagine him coming in off an airplane, getting a physical and then doing a full, full practice even in, in, and he would have an opportunity to do a full practice potentially Thursday, then one more walkthrough before the game, but he'll at least get some practice work in. So not even sure if we'll get a full practice and not sure how much he will play, but he will be on the field for the 49ers barring a beer belly on Sunday. Listen, I like eggs, but that's ridiculous. But, hey, that's what you do when you're Nick Bosa, baby, when you're a defensive player of the year. And, listen, the Steelers have the other defensive player of the year in T.J. Watt, and I think it's really cool to see it. We're definitely both going to, going to see both of them lining up against each other. But from the Steelers' perspective, this was what they knew all along. Like Mike Tomlin said it on Tuesday. I even talked to Dan Moore on Monday, the Steelers' starting left tackle, and he was like, we're preparing as if Nick Bosa is playing and going live at 100%. There is no reason to assume that that man is not going to be on the field. And this is something we've seen before, this, even just with the Steelers. As recently as TJ Watt a few years ago when he had his hold in, he practiced like alongside the team but not with the team and as soon as like week one was coming there they got a deal done he was good to go same thing happened with Micah Fitzpatrick and with Deontay Johnson I even know of a story before I was even covering the Steelers there was one time Troy Polamalu was in the middle of a holdout type of situation with the Steelers he literally signed his contract getting on the plane to the week one game one year that's the kind of stuff we knew this was going to happen but Eric and Brian you both bring up good points about how tuned his body is going to be for Football wise, I've talked to NFL guys like Ike Taylor who say, like, listen, there's the whole reason in preseason and training camp why why you're having so many padded practices because you got to condition your body to take contact, take hits, take hits, and then recoup at the end of the day. And then next day or you know, two days after that, you're going back at it because you have to get your body used to that kind of stuff. And that's where if you if your body isn't used to that, Erica brought, that's where the soft tissue injuries happen. And I'm sure this the, the Niners want to avoid that at all costs. In the recording that we eventually are going to kind of erase, <laughs> I think I referenced the 2020 preseason where yes. they did not have those preseason games. There was very limited touching going on in training camp, and you saw an influx in soft tissue injuries and just injuries in general heading into that 2020 COVID season. So obviously uh, this is slightly different because, you know, he's kind of been, uh, you know, away but training, but there's still not that push and pull on your teammates, not that going 100% against a guy like Trent Williams in practice, not that, you know, going 100%, even if it's for just 10 reps in preseason games, you don't get any of that to kind of prepare your body for what's going to happen Sunday. And that's going to be a knockout, drag out game where everyone is just all in. And I don't see how you can be Nick Bosa or anyone else and, and go to that stadium and not be going a thousand miles an hour, right? And just trying to push your body to something where it's like, well, I always do this. It's not just is you're likely like kind of opening yourself up to an injury. 
Yeah, and this this decision is going to go above Nick Bosa's head. It might even go above Kyle Shanahan's head. In some ways, you, you might have to save those guys, those competitors, save them from themselves without overdoing it with Nick Bosa because you don't want another long-term injury to occur uh, when you just signed a long-term contract with your superstar player. So they got to be smart with them. He'll be on the field how much, I don't know. But it got me thinking a little bit, Chris, and I want to ask you this. Sure. Because the, uh, the numbers that came in here, Five years, $170 million. So that's $34 million per year, 122 and a half guaranteed. I wonder if TJ Watt is going to show up on Sunday if he looks at that and says, hold on, hold hold on a second. $6 million per year more than what I'm getting right now? Yeah. So, uh, I don't want to plant any seeds, but uh, Steelers fans, look out. We might have uh, we might have another negotiation before Watt's contract is over if he, uh, he wants to go back over the top of the Bosa fan. You know, it, it's it is a question that happens a lot in sports now, right? Because if you, whatever contract you sign, like Nick Bosa is going to sign this deal, and next year whoever's the next edge rusher that comes up, they're going to sign a deal. If they if then they're going to want more than him. It's it's going to keep pushing and pushing, and and it's going to be in that spot. And then it just depends on the trust or the value that the that the player has in the contract or the team that they're with. Because TJ Watt could be like, you know what, I'm the best defensive player in the league. I deserve more than that, and it, it could really come down to that million per year less. Right, exactly. Or at least, you know, get it more, get it closer to what Nick Bose is doing. But the Steelers have had a really good history with most of their players to kind of, you know, when that happens, they understand it, they work with it, and then the Steelers work something out with them in their next contract or restructure and find ways to make that work. They did that with Antonio Brown for many years. There were several times that receivers got paid higher than him, and then they would find a way to appease him. And then, of course, eventually Antonio Brown went full Antonio Brown. But uh, there was there. I think that there, you're absolutely right. That's something to consider. But I think the Steelers are going to be prepared for that. Certainly, Nick Bosa resetting the market for edge rushers, I think, is something that everybody's looking at for who's going to have to pay next. And I'm already getting phone calls. My my big brother, diehard, diehard Dallas Cowboy fan. He immediately <laughs> called me and said, "Gosh." Like Parsons is going to tear the Cowboys apart with whatever contract he gets. Oh, yeah. He's going to get more than 34 per year. That's for sure. You know who's actually the big winner today is mm. Brian Burns, who's kind of holding in and, and talking about maybe he won't show up to play in week one. He's not going to get Bosa money, but he might get a lot more than he may be expected to get earlier on this offseason. I think the Carolina Panthers maybe should have inked something a little bit before this new Bosa deal came out. That's like the new strategy, right? Like contract wise, like get ahead of everything. Like the Chiefs, initially when the Chiefs signed Patrick Mahomes to this deal, there were a lot of people that were like, man, that's a ridiculous deal. That was the smartest deal you could have yeah. signed because now it don't matter what Joe Burrow signs for it, Justin Herbert. You got him locked up for so many years, and that works. And he's happy with it. He's 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 excited about what he, what what he's doing, and he's happy with his money. That's certainly something to consider, guy. You know, get your deal out of the way when you see another deal for a player who has a higher pedigree than yours. Get it out of the way before they reset your market for you, as the Niners have. We have a lot more aspects of this matchup to talk about here on Crossover Thursday and the Locked On Podcast Network. So stick with us as the guys from Locked On Steelers and Locked On Niners break things down. Chris Carter, Eric Crocker, Brian Peacock, as uh, Brian's counting Bosa's money over there, literally, literally right in front of him. But first, before we do anything else, we're going to talk to you how you can earn some of that Bosa money. Let's go by going to prize picks. Prize picks is the most fun that anyone can have, winning up to 25 times your money this football season. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your 
entry. Prize Picks is a fun new daily fantasy game uh, that everyone needs to start playing right now. You're killing me, Erica. You're showing me your dog waving at the screen, and I'm having a hard time focusing because it's a cute dog. But uh, as it, it, Prize Picks is so easy to play. I'll just pick two to six players. If you think you have a beat on their day in fantasy, all you have to do is choose: Are they going to get more or less than their current stats? And that's and you can make as many entries and Prize Picks as you want, and went up to 25 times your money on any entry. This week on Prize Picks, look at Saquon Barkley getting more than 60 yards and Patrick Mahomes getting more than two passing touchdowns. Those two things hit, and you just made some money on Prize Picks. When there's weekly weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. And it's all sports. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. We're back here on Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's the Steelers Niners crossover episode. Chris Carter, your host here of Locked On Steelers, but we've got a Locked On Niners host as well, Eric Crocker, Brian Peacock, breaking things down in this matchup. Guys, I got to talk to you guys about what the Steelers defense is going to try to do with the Niners offense because I sat in on Mike Tomlin's Tuesday press conference and I wanted to ask him a question that would encapsulate what the Niners do on offense. But I figured, let me ask him a question about the quarterback because I think he's going to give me this type of answer because I've, I've talked to Mike Tomlin for years and I've gotten a sense of how he thinks. This is what, I, what he responded to, when I, how he responded when I asked him about Brock Purdy and what the Niners do on offense. Mike, what kind of keys does your defense have to focus on for a quarterback like Brock Purdy when he hasn't had a ton of, of tape to study over the past? Over this? It is less specifically about Brock Purdy and it's more about how Kyle Shanahan chooses to utilize his quarterback within the schematics of what it is that he does. And so whether it's Purdy or, or Darnold or Garoppolo or anyone that, you know, Matt Ryan or his days in Cleveland, uh, we just see very similar things in terms of their approach to football. It's very quarterback friendly. Um, it doesn't put them in a lot of adverse circumstances. It keeps them on schedule. And in doing so, it minimizes the potential for negativity. It's a great platform, particularly for a young guy to play and gain experience. And I think it's reflective of Purdy's journey a year ago and their collective journey a year ago. But I imagine uh, his growth and development and that experience has him and them ready to take another step, just like we are with our young quarterback. I think it's very interesting that Tomlin at the end there throws in that like, yeah, we have a young quarterback too. We try to keep him on, on, on a schedule. Can you guys talk about what Shanahan does to make life easier in the quarterback and how that's not a diss of Brock Purdy. It's just an acknowledgement that the NFL is a fast paced game. We got a young quarterback who's getting used to that pace still, even if they're in their second, third year, they need systems like this to make things easier for them while the team tries to win with the roster around them. I think one of the best things that Kyle Shanahan does is understand defensive players' rules and how to use those rules against them mm -hmm. uh, to kind of free up certain areas of the field. And once he has a quarterback that sees the field the same way he does with the things that he's trying to attack, that's when Kyle Shanahan will have a very efficient quarterback. And as Tomlin, you know, kind of alluded to, being quarterback friendly, right? Uh, there are different difficult elements to the offense with the timing, the rhythm, and kind of trusting that what Kyle Shanahan sees is going to play out that way. 
once he has a quarterback like Brock Purdy who kind of trusts him and says, hey, I'm just going to throw the ball where Kyle Shanahan tells me to throw the ball and do what he says, that's when you see it kind of clicking. So uh, they do a lot of window dressing. 49ers will likely motion more than any other team to try to figure out what you're into. But also, hey, are they going to take the cheese, right? And the cheese might be Christian McCaffrey. The cheese might be Debo Samuel. And all that's going to be is a decoy to hit one of the other guys or get the ball in the guy, the hands of a guy like George Kittle or Brandon Ayuk as well. So a ton of weapons all across this offense. And I think that really helps uh, kind of minimize the mistakes from a young quarterback and not have to make him this pure drop back passer where now everything is predicated on you to kind of read an entire field or entire defense and make the right reads time and time again. Kyle kind of has those reads built in based on what he's getting from the defense. Yeah. To piggyback off what Croc just said there, I think the 49ers were second in the NFL last year in pre-snap motion. And I think the team with the most was Miami and and Mike McDaniel who came Mm -hmm. over from the 49ers system. And, um, Brock Purdy had probably the most telling answer last year. When you realize why Kyle Shanahan likes Brock Purdy so much, when um, when Tom Brady and the Buccaneers came to to play the 49ers and the whole stadium's chanting Brock Purdy's name, right? And Brock Purdy's dad is in the stands, like in tears. It was one of the most amazing moments I've seen covering the 49ers. It was like, wow, this is unbelievable. And after the game, they're asking Brock Purdy, like, what is going on right now? How are you doing this? And he's like, oh, I just do what Kyle tells me to do. <laughs> that's terrible. So, uh, yeah, uh, and and that's why Kyle likes him so much because I think in reality Kyle Shanahan's the one playing quarterback for the 49ers. I I feel you on that, and that's kind of what Mike Tomlin's saying there. It's like it's a system, and listen again, this is not a knock on Brock Purdy. It means he's doing what he's coached to do, and if you're winning games, that's what matters. So I think that's a big factor there. I I think one of the things to look at for this on the Steelers aspect is how they're going to counter that, and Eric, you and I were talking a little bit off air about it, but Minka Fitzpatrick is a huge key on that. The Steelers have a private office where Kenny Pickett goes and watches film. That's what he loves to do. He just loves to break down film. But in that private office, the guy that's always there with him is Minka Fitzpatrick because he loves breaking down film. They talk about tendencies all the time. And Minka Fitzpatrick, he's been a, a guy. He's not just a dog on the field. He is a student of the game. He is working all the angles. Eric, what are the things that you see for Minka Fitzpatrick when you watch him that, that Brock Purdy is going to have to watch out for? First of all, I love Minka Fitzpatrick coming out. I thought he was going to be a 49er at pick nine. Mm. And when they fixed their mouth to say that with the ninth pick in the 2018 draft, the San Francisco 49ers select, mm, I thought it was, oh, Minka Fitzpatrick, they got my guy. It was like, Mike McGlinchey. I'm like, oh, damn. Uh. Okay, we'll see. (laughs) But uh, he's awesome. One of the things that come to mind, first of all, just his uh, who he is. We're talking about a guy that started as a true freshman at Alabama for Nick Saban. Like, that rarely happens, right? And then for him to have the impact that he had on and off of the field. He was a guy that was a big-time playmaker, uh, a guy that was a tremendous leader. And I think he's carried all, all of those qualities over to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you see it right away. Once he got traded to Pittsburgh from Miami, it was, boom, making plays. I remember the Colts game near the end zone, pick six. Yeah. Taking, taking away the ball. I think he helps some of the other guys and adding a guy like uh, Patrick Peterson to that defense, a, a heady veteran as well, and get the younger guys on the, you know, on the same uh, page as the veterans. But as it pertains to Minka Fitzpatrick and just what he does on a play-to-play basis, I think Kyle is kind of, you know, he has to know where is Minka Fitzpatrick lined up? Is he going to be down? Is he going to be back? Is he going to be just a single high guy? You know, are they mixing up his defense? Are they disguising? Are they, are they going to have a rolling late? And we talked a lot about uh, Brock Purdy and things he does well. 
Another thing he did not do very well, one thing he didn't do it well was put the ball in harm's way a good amount of times and just it didn't burn him last year. So in pre in the training camp, he did have a tendency to throw a lot of interceptions. Is he trying different things? I, I don't know. I saw those interceptable balls in the regular season last year and in the postseason as well. It just didn't quite burn him. Well, you can't have those type of throws when there's a guy lurking back there like Minka Fitzpatrick because he will burn you. So uh, that's the guy right there who I think is kind of the key matchup. And it's really Minka Fitzpatrick versus Kyle Shanahan and how Kyle Shanahan maybe tries to get Minka off of his mark a little bit. That robber coverage. We've seen it with Garoppolo. We've seen it with mm -hmm. other quarterbacks in the uh, in the 49ers system um and minka's really smart and he knows that that dig is coming and can he jump in front of it at the right time and brock purdy not see it you know those are some of the matchups i'm looking for in this one that'll be really fun sort of the game inside the game the the head games that are going on between kyle shanahan and mika fitzpatrick and the quarterback and he look him off he's a young quarterback you know so that's a lot to expect from a, a young player that's really only played eight nfl games I, I agree. That is a lot to expect. And I'll say this too, adding to both of your points about Minka Fitzpatrick, the Steelers have had a lot of veterans to their, to their secondary guys like DeMonte KZ, guys like Keanu Neal, guys like Patrick Peterson, uh, Levi Wallace. Those are the guys that, that make up the secondary. Joey Porter Jr. will be out there a little bit, but they've added so many guys. And now Desmond King, even, even most recently uh, in free agency, they are, they want to use Minka Fitzpatrick in so many different ways. He is lining up all over the field in preseason, in training camp. I think you're going to see him a lot in that robber role, but he won't just be there anyway. It used to be that he, he kind of had to just be the robber and the free safety because they had no one. Like Terrell Edmonds was a box guy. But now they have multiple guys that can play multiple roles, and the Steelers feel very comfortable moving him place to place. And he's talked about that's what all I've wanted to be to do in this defense. That's certainly something to watch out for. I want to talk to you guys more about T.J. Watt and what, this, what the 49ers offensive line has to do to account for him as well as what Kenny Pickett has to do to counter to what the 49ers like to do on defense and what and, and the breakdown. There's a few more elements of that of this matchup. We'll get to those in a minute here on Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Chris Carter, Eric Crocker, Brian Be Peacock breaking it down here. But first, I want to remind you guys, this show is also sponsored by LinkedIn. LinkedIn, of course, is the number one place that people go to to find new jobs. So if you're an employer, it's the number one place that you need to go to to find new future employees. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you you know, every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We are back here on the crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Steelers Niners being broken down by myself, Chris Carter, Eric Crocker, Brian Peacock. Um, guys, let's talk about, you know, we talked about Bosa and the Steelers offensive line and how that could be a big relief for the Steelers if Bosa isn't, isn't playing, but TJ Watt is playing. And let me tell y'all a little quick story about training camp, because there was a one point in the early part of training camp. I saw Darnell Washington just straight up stonewall TJ Watt. And I was like, Whoa, the rookie tight end just took out TJ Watt. And then I didn't see TJ Watt making plays for like the first like week and a half of training camp. And I was like, 
and so I was thinking like to myself, like, is he okay? Or is like the injury from last year still a problem? Like what's going on here? So then I said it on a post-gazette podcast here in Pittsburgh. I was like, maybe there's something wrong with TJ Watt. I don't know, but maybe he's just holding back. And I swear to you, I said that on a Wednesday, I went out to back out to Latrobe and for St. Vincent college and to, to the back out to training camp. And that day they were in full pads and I saw Steve TJ Watt like staring at me. And I was like, is he staring at me or is he staring at someone <laughs> by me? And then that next like four reps, he utterly demolished everyone on the Steelers, the offense, to the point where Mike Tomlin said, guys, guys, can we please block TJ Watt? And then ever since then, he just crushed everyone in training camp. It was clear. He was just holding back because the Steelers said, hey, relax, buddy. We know that you're good. So he's going to be raring to go in this game. What is it about the Niners? What do the Niners have to do to help McKivitz and face anyone? Who is McKivitz? Could you break down the right tackle that he's going to be face lining up against for this game? Yeah, uh, Colton McKivitz was a fifth-round pick a few years ago. He had the gold helmet designation on the 49ers draft board, which is someone who meets the the toughness, character criteria, and maybe not so much the uh, athletic part of it. And you could be an athlete, too, and get the gold helmet. But uh, you're wired in a way that they believe in you as a player, and you're going to get the most out of your ability. And he was actually waived after his second camp with the 49ers, got it back to the 49ers practice squad, and then got, and, and I think it was a wake up call for him. And he admitted that. And then uh, he's made his way back onto the 49ers roster and played so well in spot duty for the 49ers the last couple of years that they felt comfortable letting Mike McGlinchey, and I think it was the right decision, walk in free agency and gave the starting right tackle job to Colton McKivitz. So he's not going to wow you as an athlete, but he's smart and tough. And that's something that offensive line coaches could work with when you uh, when you're a smart, tough player. Um, might be even a little bit better in pass protection than McGlinchey was, but he's not going to get out on the wide zone and, and run and, and block people on the move as, as well as Mike McGlinchey did. But there's still you know some unknown there, and he's got a huge test to start off with with, with TJ Watt. And I have a feeling the 49ers are going to help him out. So I mean, if we're looking at, at our, our prize picks. Uh, selections this week for the 49ers offense, I would probably advise to go to go with the overs on guys like Debo and Christian McCaffrey and go with the under on someone like George Kittle, who's banged up coming into the week as it is, but he might be helping out Colton McKivitz because he's a really good blocker as well. Just to make sure that, like you mentioned in practice, you know, if an honorary TJ Watt wants to wreck the 49ers offense and Colton McKivitz isn't up to the one-on-one challenge, I don't think Kyle Shanahan wants to um, wants to go through that problem. So let's get TJ Watt blocked so we can do the other things we want to do on offense. I'm terrified of TJ Watt. <laughs> you know, just again, what I've seen him do to opposing quarterbacks, like just the playmaker that he is. And anytime he's on the field, he's one of those guys you have to count for. And I feel uncomfortable having McKivitz kind of, you know, obviously he's built in 49ers for a few years, but as a starter, like, hey, you're going in, you are the guy. That's a role he hasn't really been in. And the first time that you get action and being the guy, you have to go up all game against a guy like TJ Watt, who, I mean, when he plays a full season, he's going to be up for defensive player of the year, like every single year. So uh, that worries me a little bit. And obviously, you know, it kind of, that trickle down effect I talked about with Nick Bosa, but there's a trickle down effect with that. There's a quarterback start to kind of throw the ball before he truly wants to, right? And we saw the 49ers in the Philadelphia Eagles game, big drop back, you see your quarterback being patient, letting the play develop. Then he goes to throw the ball. Boom, his elbow gets hit, and it tears his elbow up. He has to get surgery in the offseason. Well, you don't want your quarterback to have to rush through his reads and progressions because McKivitz is having a tough time with T.J. Watt. And that's probably what I expect to see more times than not. 
uh, I think that can kind of throw off the timing and rhythm of your offense a little bit. So uh, I'm hoping that McKivis comes out and says, hey, you know, I know Mike McGlinchey, he's been the guy, and they've kind of moved McKivis around here and there, have him in the interior at different times. But I'm ready to take on this challenge of being the starting right tackle for the next however many years. And I Chris, I, I wanted to ask you a question real quick about TJ Watt and, and sure. even Alex Highsmith on the other side. Like, what, where did those guys win? What makes TJ Watt so great? Because we're over here acting like, uh, you know, that that Trent Williams is going to throw a perfect game every time. He might lose a rep to a player as good as Alex Highsmith, you know? And so, um, w- what makes those guys tick? How do they win against opposing offensive linemen? They have gotten so much sharper in their approach to each snap. They start the same way so that you can never tell which way they're going, and they're getting so much more direct, and they're cutting out the wasted movement that goes into each of their pass rush moves. You can see it. TJ Watts had that for a couple years now. But Alex Highsmith, after almost every Steelers practice, not or, or during Steelers practice, excuse me, when the defense comes off the field, I see Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt go over to a corner, and they'll just be like working like karate moves. And they're just like, oh, this is how I do that. This how I do this and now that and I'm just and they're just getting sharper and then like like a couple years ago Alex was kind of raw he really just had a spin move or he would just try to bull rush you but now Alex Highsmith can work about four or five different moves he can get around you in so many different ways and now he's learning how to combinate off of them to set you up with one move to get into another and that's one thing that they have gotten so good at and here's the crazy thing we're talking about these two right Nick Herbig the kid that they drafted out of Wisconsin He's picked up on all this. Perfect. To the point where TJ Watson, he taught me a move. And I went to Nick. I was like, Nick, he, he's just messing with us, right? He's like, no, no, actually, I did show him a move. And I was like, what? And so <laughs> I think that what makes this group so good is that they are so technically sound at their pass rushing ability. Um, I want to get to this before we get out of here because I do. We got we we all got a lot of a lot of stuff to do heading this week. But quick thoughts from you guys. If you're Kenny Pickett. And this is your first start in a year where you're known to be the starting cornerback and you're going against the team that was the number one defense last year. What is the big thing he has to focus on to stay alive and avoid the big mistakes and he makes some plays against this defense? I think taking advantage of an opportunity when it's there. You know, I remember in the Miami Dolphin game, there were opportunities for Tua to make some throws and he just missed them. (laughs) Like almost every time he hit the first one that went for a big gainer, but outside of that, he hit one later to Tyreek Hill. He was very inconsistent with his uh, location of his passes uh, throughout majority of that game. So for a guy like Kenny Pickett, you know, one, you want to get the run game going. So that kind of takes a little pressure off you and makes, makes you keep the 49ers defense a little bit more honest. And then once you could do that, if there's an open receiver, you have to hit him. Because if you don't and you're off at all, one thing the 49ers did extremely well last year is take the ball away. Like, they will pick off passes, and a lot of times it's off of a tip or an errant pass here and there. And between Hufunga and Gibson, those guys are both big-time playmakers. Gibson is a guy who has uh, 32 career interceptions. All right, so if there's a pass that's kind of slightly off or it's tipped or whatever, they will be there to kind of reap the benefits of that. So you can't be off. You got to make sure that you are really precise with your throws against the 49ers uh, defense. Brian, I man, I, when I look at at Purdy in this game and and really sort of that matchup with Purdy and Pickett and how how different they're going to win because they're both second year guys and you don't know exactly what to expect and I think it's a it's sort of a popcorn game because of how physical it's going to be and you know you're going to go to Pittsburgh and get a, a physical team there and the 49ers try to bully teams as well but the the way that Purdy and Pickett win even though physically they're not that different I think with their strengths and weaknesses. 
Pickett does throw a nice little deep ball. And with the 49ers offense, and especially this week with the way I think they will operate, like the back seven better be ready to tackle on the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, I talked mm-hmm. about it being a more of a Debo and a McCaffrey game than a than a Kittle and IU game potentially. And on the other side of things, I think it might be a little bit of the opposite. I think maybe if there is no Bosa, you might have that extra tick. Maybe play action passes and and Pickett throws a really nice deep ball. So it's uh you got to find a way to get home if you can, if you're the 49ers, and uh, prevent Pickett from making some of those throws that we've seen. I, I've been impressed with what I saw from him in the preseason, whether it's Deontay Johnson, you know, hitting him on some some plays. And, and Deontay Johnson can separate with the best of them in the NFL right now. And then George Pickens is the exact opposite, you know, winning the ball over the top. And uh, if he has time to get those balls out there and lay it out for Pickens to make one of those spectacular catches and those plays down the field. I think if the 49ers win this game, it's going to be over the middle. And I think if the Steelers win this game, it's going to be big plays that they are able to create maybe on the outside on offense. Absolutely. There's still a lot more to break down. We'll, we'll both be getting at it on both of our shows for our Friday episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network from Chris Carter, Eric Crocker, and Brian Peacock. Thanks so much for joining a crossover Thursday episode here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We'll see you Friday breaking things down and giving you our final predictions for the big week one showdown.